0: Put your little hand in mine, there ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb, babe. I got you, babe.
1: I got you, babe. Okay, campers, rise and shine, and don't forget your booties, because it's cold out there. It's
2: cold out there every day. What is this, Miami Beach? Uh, i hardly and, you know, you can expect hazardous travel later today with that, you know, that, uh, that blizzard thing. Oh, that blizzard thing, mm-hmm. that blizzard thing. Oh, well, here's the report. The National Weather Service is calling for a big blizzard
1: thing. Yes, yeah. they are. But, you know, there's another reason why today is especially exciting. Especially cold. Especially cold, yeah. okay. But the big question on everybody's lips. Yeah, yeah their chapped lips. On their chapped chap lips. lips, right. lips. Do you think Phil's gonna come out and see a shadow? Punks Punxsutawney Phil. That's right, woodchuck-chuckers, it's
0: That one, you cheap dime store hood. Andy! You
3: Cody. Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. This is episode number 174, Groundhog Day. That's right appropriately fit into our schedule here hello everyone and welcome to (laughs) (laughs) we just are reliving the beginning oh yeah yeah, yeah. seriously i didn't really want to go through with that joke but i did it anyway (laughs) 1993 directed by harold Ramis. for me maybe one of the best rom-coms ever made
4: wow yeah
3: i personally hold it up as maybe like a top 10 comedy does that mean i think it's necessarily one of the top 10 funniest movies ever made I don't know I, okay. I, it still makes me laugh a lot yeah i just There's mean in of terms of it being of it. like a great movie with like really funny parts and it's like a genius idea that wormed its way into the lexicon where you can totally. reference it without yeah with everyone just knows what you mean when you reference a groundhog day type scenario and it was a modest hit that became this thing that just has endured in the culture and sure now the movie's been Elected to be preserved in the National Library of Congress or whatever they call that. And it has a huge rating on IMDb of like 8.0, which is really high for this type of movie. I just think it's really beloved.
4: But before we get into that, follow the show on Twitter. Subscribe on Podbean, (laughs) iTunes. Just butchering Something else, yeah.
3: (laughs) Well, you didn't say the Twitter handle, at GreatestPod. Okay. And the most important subscription would probably be apple podcasts okay that's the easiest most people have the podcast app all right if you don't i think podbean has an app
4: see so if you're ever hit by a bus i could potentially take over that part of the show (laughs) i don't know who's gonna do all the talking about movies and whatnot but
3: yeah who's gonna bring the charisma that's true (laughs) yesterday at lunch i dropped the bombshell that i had been considering doing a solo give us a second about the Oscar nominations wow, yeah. and you wept for 45 minutes you were so distraught at that uh idea.
4: I, I, weeping on behalf of the listening
3: audience <laughs> I don't think there would have been a listening audience yeah. for that particular give us a second
4: <laughs> well I don't know if you were going to broadcast that it was it just been in be the a... description okay yeah it been in the description Zach goes rogue it just says <laughs>
3: but it didn't happen so here we are February 2nd it's a movie
4: I've seen
3: countless times
4: can you remember the first time that you saw it no i no can clue. uh weirdly enough ninth grade for me right around this sopranos time period where i'm caught up in what's going on with that I'm watching strippers
3: get murdered uh, in parking
4: lots we, and groundhog we, day. yeah so we actually watched this in school in my wow. social studies class we watched groundhog day uh, i think there was some weird tie-in with hinduism
3: Oh, yeah, this movie actually is taught by lots of religions. A (laughs) lot of religions have kind of adopted this as meaning whatever they want it to mean. Okay, yeah. It has a very existential idea behind it, obviously, and it does seem like in order to pass this test... He has to become this enlightened person.
4: It was not even on my radar at all before then. Certainly, you know, I knew Bill Murray and Harold Ramis, and I was enjoying it. I was, as a a ninth grade boy, really into the whole Nancy manipulation (laughs) sequence, because I was like, you know, the wheels were spinning for me. I was like, wouldn't this be great if I could do this? (laughs) Right?
3: (laughs) Yeah, it was a movie that my parents liked a lot, so I think we always had a copy of it. We may have taped it off of TV at one point, but we also had the VHS, and I think my parents probably still have a DVD or a Blu-ray, and I own the Blu-ray now as well. That's right,
4: yeah. And I borrowed your Blu-ray.
3: It came at a weird time for Murray, who I think was already sort of in the midst of a little bit of a a slump that would get worse for much of the 90s, I would think, and then he sort of had a...
4: The Wes Anderson comeback. Renaissance with
3: Rushmore probably starting in the late 90s and then up through getting into more indie auteur work with Sofia Coppola and and the
4: rest of that stuff. I always feel like things are better when Bill Murray is in movies.
3: Yeah, he became one of those guys that started to chase Oscars because he came so close with Lost in Translation and then didn't win and now rarely does... Movies like this. Like, he doesn't really do comedies unless it's like a cameo in Zombieland. But just this
4: great cynicism. (laughs) I love the characters that he plays during this time period in particular between Ghostbusters and Stripes and this and even Scrooge. He almost seems just like an asshole, but you kind of find him to be like the most relatable person ever at the same time.
3: Yeah, I think Tom Hanks was considered for this movie first and tom turned it down because he thought that the audience would perceive him as too likable from the start because of his built-in
4: i i kind of agree with that yeah people
3: would have just waited for him to start being nice but there's always that little kernel of doubt
4: that bill Bill murray Murray will will ever turn turn nice like
3: he plays the asshole so well That there's a little bit of suspense in whether or not he's going to evolve as a character, which is kind of what the movie hinges on. Well, even
4: in this movie, by the time he gets there, it almost feels like he's just sort of forced into it because (laughs) nothing else is working. So as we mentioned, directed
3: by Harold Ramis, a story by Danny Rubin, screenplay by Rubin and Ramis. We're going to talk more about Danny Rubin's original idea as we go. The movie stars... Bill Murray, Andy McDowell, and Chris Elliott, yeah. amongst
4: others. I have to say, I, I think I have like a pretty big crush on Andy McDowell. Who doesn't? I think she's incredibly attractive. <laughs> I, I really.
3: She's one of those women that appeals to men across all generations. I didn't
4: really like curly hair. That was never a thing for me <laughs> growing up. But I, I, she rocks it. I mean, you know, it's hard to.
3: She has that southern charm. Yeah. Her accent is very sexy and uh, like I said, I think she's the type of woman that your father would probably also have a crush on. <laughs> and guys have to talk to him about that. Ten years younger than us yeah. would probably still have a crush true. on and she just crosses generations. Now we all love her daughter so much.
4: That's true, yeah. Appearing in
3: many things and also briefly dating Pete Davidson. Oh, which wow. we won't hold against her. No. Groundhog Day had a budget of fourteen point six million. The initial box office was 70.9. Wow. But again, as so many movies we do on this show, the reputation goes far beyond the initial box office. Whatever
4: the box office numbers that you're revealing, I feel like I'm feigning surprise, but really, I I don't know what to expect. This is a movie that, like I said, whenever this came out, not on my radar. What year was it?
3: 93.
4: Okay, yeah. So a six-year-old me, not... (laughs) Aware of what's coming to theaters, but not it's like out into the ground. Over I, I, even like marketing a movie like this, like y- you're just not. This is not something that I would expect to turn much of a profit.
3: It was a different time. It was. There's yeah. no way this movie, even if it was exactly how it is now, would really get anybody interested in it. And the marketing now would probably focus so much on the happy death day. Yeah, phenomenon that it would seem more like a science fiction thing or something. But yeah, this is something that has been replicated. Uh, one of the most notable ones was Happy Death Day, which I really enjoy the original Happy Death Day.
4: You didn't like Happy Death Day to you as that much? That movie
3: oddly has its defenders. I know we <laughs> saw it in the theater. I was we did yeah something we're not it.
4: afraid to admit on the show. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I found the the sequel to Happy Death Day. Very confusing. Was that
4: a 2019 release? No. I okay.
3: Think that, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was la- It had okay, to be Okay, yeah, all right, yeah.
4: <laughs> they all blend together at this point.
3: There's a subtle brilliance to the movie, to the script. There's a, this free-flowing quality that Murray always brings, but you feel the improv.
1: Bill, like the groundhog, Bill?
3: Yeah, like the groundhog, Bill.
2: Look up for your shadow there, pal.
1: (laughs) Morons, your bus is leaving.
3: There are lines in this that you just know he came up with on the spot, and they feel very organic and genuine and funny in his trademarked Bill Murray style. And combining that with the charm of McDowell, which we referenced, I mean, I think you really get a likable movie that appeals to men and women.
4: Uh, It is, I will say... An unbelievable couple. (laughs) I'm not really buying this. For
3: sure. But, I mean, that's just how it works. It's fine, yeah. It was another collaboration between Harold Ramis and Bill Murray, and it basically ruined their relationship up until Ramis died. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, big story. Barely uh, got it back together, you know, when Ramis was on his way out, and Bill's brother, who's also in this movie, Brian Doyle Murray, was like, hey, you should go talk to him. Like, what the fuck? And- it does speak to the dark side of Bill Murray that does not get brought up a lot. That's it is true. It's sort of swept under the rug a lot, but he does have the reputation of being kind of an asshole a lot of the time.
4: Yeah, was and it- um he was
3: going through one of his many acrimonious divorces, oh, which boy. was putting yeah. him in a bad mood. And plus, I think he did resent Harold Ramis to a certain extent, because a lot of Bill's most successful stuff up until 93- ramus either wrote or directed he was involved in so many of those movies
4: do we know the whole story of what went on with this movie i I thought i've heard that they had different views on what the direction of the movie was yeah there was a constant
3: battle ramus wanted a much more straightforward comedy straightforward romantic comedy the original script was darker and weirder from what i've read about it it i don't think that movie would have worked as well And I don't necessarily think that's what Murray was trying to do either, but he was definitely more drawn to the darker,
4: cynical elements of the movie. Still a lot of darkness in this.
3: Yeah, and that's what makes it great. It's the compromise, even if it was not necessarily a willing compromise, but the collaboration between those two, those two forces pushing against each other, make the movie unique and give it a different feel than a lot of other similar genre movies of this time you know what i mean like there's just, oh yeah there is a dark edge to it there is a cynical edge to it and that makes it legitimately funny and it makes it stay funny 27 years later you know almost 30 years right. after the fact and people are still into this movie and i think it's a movie that has the potential to last a long time like it's a wonderful oh, I would life for yeah. something
4: and there's something when you pitch it to somebody it's like there's a gimmick here but the, the spin on the gimmick is just you don't expect this to be we're going to be seeing a dude so beat down by reliving this day that we're going to see like multiple suicide attempts. Yeah. And
3: just bad behavior until he gets it together. Absolutely. Manipulating yeah. women and all. Of this well, stuff. yeah.
4: I mean, early on, it's like once you've come to the realization that you're going to be stuck in this cycle, it's like, how can I leverage this to do devious behavior?
3: Yeah, that's how it started with the initial idea by Danny Rubin, who was coming up with film ideas for some writing workshop or something and came up with a bunch of different things. And one of them happened to be rooted in science fiction, though I don't think this movie ended up being science fiction really at all. But just the concept of, well, what would you do if there was no repercussions for your behavior? You could essentially do whatever you want and get a fresh reset every single morning. Well, what the weird things thing about you the... would do? How would you use that to your advantage, etc.
4: Yeah, and the weird thing about the reset is you're still retaining the knowledge and memory of everything that happened. Like, you're not resetting. Your day is resetting. <laughs> well, that's true, but th-
3: if you weren't knowledgeable, then it wouldn't would, know- yeah. would be a story. And exactly. Plus it would not be
4: interesting to the viewer because you would then do the same thing. Totally. To <laughs> yeah, and I'm not arguing that that's the way it should be, but it is sort of an odd thing. It's like you're continuing to live this and like retain this it's just i I don't know it's i I feel like this would take a toll on your whole brain (laughs) like your whole well yeah there's
3: an argument to be made that you would go insane yeah pretty quickly much faster than the amount of time that he most likely does relive this day which we'll get into that maybe later as well okay but yeah this movie appeals to people interested in the existential and the philosophical the religious world, the psychiatric world, there's this sort of universality to it, despite the fact that it seems so unique and specific. Whether you call this purgatory or limbo or something, or whether you call this some other version of that idea that applies more to Hindu or Judaism or Buddhism or whatever. like You can just kind of apply this concept across the
4: board. If it is some sort of like purgatory thing, it's kind of nice because you do get to experience all of the negative but potentially fun things you know before reconciling that and having this moment of realization and
3: how long would it take you to just go straight up grand theft auto or the purge and you're just being a complete animal you're like well this doesn't matter i can literally cut this person's head off with a chainsaw well it's
4: hard for me because i am a pacifist you know so
3: (laughs) I don't know. I think if you got stuck in this you were so frustrated yeah, that's the and mad, you'd start doing crazy shit. Well, I was
4: thinking maybe like I'd be more willing to like punch someone. I wasn't really ready. <laughs> well, he to does punch
3: yeah. needle-nose Ned. Oh,
4: that's right. Which, by the way, I think not even reliving the same day, Ned seems very <laughs> punchable.
3: Yeah, there's definitely an R-rated version of this movie that takes it to a real dark place. I
4: do think <laughs> the Nancy-type stuff, stealing the money and- We don't get a lot of backstory on this one, but whenever he's, like, super rich and he just, like, shows up to the party with that chick dressed in, like, the maid's outfit and he's, like, dressed like a cowboy. I mean, not a lot of backstory on, like, how that chick came into his service. Like, is she a call girl? (laughs) I I don't know, but that's the type of stuff that I'm like, that seems kind of fun. The original script was a lot different. There's certain elements of it
3: that remained and and always stayed a part of it, but I think to... ...better impact the audience and and give the audience the things that they want, the necessary changes were made. For example, I think in some of the initial planning stages, there was a scene back in Pittsburgh where Phil breaks up with a girlfriend who then... Put some sort of a curse on him. Oh, no. As explanation for why he repeats the
4: day. And I kind of like that. That shit would ruin it. Yeah, I like that there's just no explanation.
3: That makes it just like a cheesy romantic comedy with a gimmick. Yeah. It doesn't have anything, it doesn't feel special, even though no such thing exists as a curse where you could do that. It right. still just feels like some lame attempt to explain things. But the other major thing that Ruben's original script had was. It started in the middle in Medius Res. Oh gotcha. And yeah. you had to kind of figure out what was happening and it pieced it together much differently. One of the first things Ramus in the studio wanted to change was to give it a more linear story at the beginning because you have Bill Murray in this part. Yeah. Part of the joy of putting Bill Murray in this gimmick is to see how he reacts to it the first time. Right. If yeah. you just start in the middle, you're missing out on a lot of the best stuff. Sure. And there was way more narration, and as you may have noticed watching the movie, there's zero narration. No narration. Thankfully. Yeah. It was just a much different script, but I think Murray did like some of the darker elements of Ruben's initial idea, but at the end of the day, I think it needed Ramis to to reel it in and make it more relatable and palatable to mainstream audiences, which kind of makes it a more treasured movie i think 30 years later where people are still very invested in it one of the things i think also was like at the very end when he finally gets out of the time loop you learn then andy mcdowell her character has started a time loop and it's basically just a cycle of restarting oh wow yeah which would have been infuriating yeah absolutely that movie at all (laughs) right
4: (laughs) (laughs) i i think they do a great job just keep it simple throw us right into it i don't have this longing for a feeling like i need this to be explained I I feel like you you just get in and accept it and be like, well, this is what we're doing.
3: It allows it to be open to interpretation, and the interpretation is not very complicated. I think most people can understand that he needs to correct certain things in his life and become a better person.
4: Yeah, I think the only other time I've been so willing to just accept the gimmick of the movie is wish upon a star. Yeah, that's true.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That is the other time that you're willing to do it.
0: You're missing all the fun. These people are great. Some of them have been partying all night long. They sing songs till they get too cold, and then they go sit by the fire and they get warm, and then they come back and they sing some more.
1: Yeah. They're hicks, Rita.
3: Pittsburgh weatherman Phil Connors tells his viewers that a blizzard will miss western Pennsylvania, and after he wraps up this weather report, he's going to head out on an annual trip to Punxsutawney with... A new producer, Rita Hansen, and a cameraman named Larry, played by Chris Elliott, and this is something he's not looking forward to. Not no. a fan of Punxsutawney. Not a fan of the small town
4: charm of not this little festival. Really feeling like he needs to go out of his way to do something like this. He's he fine. Just he's just too big for the network. Let's just do what we have to do from the studio and call it a day.
0: Have fun in Punxsutawney, Phil.
1: For your information. Here do. There is a major network interested in me.
4: Yeah, that would be the home shopping network.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Larry, go wait in the van way. That was nice, Phil. <laughs> Big trees. <laughs> Stop, <Kenny. laughs> look, can you handle the ten or not? Yeah, okay. yeah, L- listen, if for any reason, you don't want to rush back, I-, I can do the five. Tomorrow. Come, on. Come on. I want to stay an extra second. And punks a Tawny, please look. Rita thinks it would be a great idea to stay around for some of the other events, you know, get some incredible footage. The people and the fun, the excitement. You haven't worked with her yet, have you? She's really nice. I think she's going to be a really good producer. (laughs) You guys are going to have fun. Mm -mm. She's fun, but not my kind of fun. I will be here for the five.
3: He has an enormous ego, which is kind of funny when you think he's like, he's not even like the lead anchor. He's just a weatherman. <laughs> in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I, I mean, right off the bat, there's just so many great Bill Murray like I mean, we
4: could probably get a weatherman at a local TV station in Pittsburgh, like to be on this show. To give weather reports. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, for your information,
3: hairdo. <laughs> just like <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> just so cutting.
4: And that chick seemed like really undeserving, I felt like. Just like the anchor. Yeah.
3: I love the opening shots of the movie because there's some old school Pittsburgh shots. You see three rivers. That's right. Yeah,
4: I did notice that.
3: (laughs) Just a different time. Now, other than those opening establishing shots, none of the other parts of this movie were filmed in the state of Pennsylvania. It was all shot in a little town called Woodstock, Illinois.
4: Oh, okay. For various
3: reasons. I don't think downtown Punxsutawney is really anything like it looks in this movie. Which is
4: too bad, because I'm I know. I was like, town. I wanted
3: to go to the Groundhog thing. I
4: want to go to the tip-top.
3: Based off of you know? this movie. <laughs> I wanted that. I know. <laughs> Phil's got a huge ego, as we pointed out, a bad attitude. He's not thrilled about the assignment. Rita, on the other hand, upbeat. She's this positive producer. I think, at least from Phil's perspective, she's naïve maybe a, a little dim-witted for being like this. Yeah. But she's just kind of got a positive energy. Totally. Larry doesn't have a ton to do throughout the movie. He just calls Phil a prima donna. Sort of the other guy. Though he does have one of my favorite lines of the entire movie coming up later, but we'll get there. I
4: do enjoy when they're later, you know, in one of the many days, identifying the body of Phil. <laughs> like, his reactions are just like, yeah, he's a great guy. <laughs> So this is day one. He spends
3: his first night in Punxsutawney.
4: Which I love that they're like pulling up to a hotel and he's like, I can't stay here.
3: It's a flea bag. Yeah.
4: <laughs> and Rita had already booked him a different room.
3: Yeah. She's like, you're not staying here.
4: Yeah. <laughs> the talent, of course. Keep the talent happy.
3: It always blows my mind, though, when you think back to this first day. So they arrive in Punxsutawney and then we wake up the next morning and then Phil gets stuck in this time loop that goes on for forever and it just blows my mind to think about to the people that aren't experiencing the time loop to them the day they rode up in the van like rita and larry was always the day before but to phil by the time he gets out of this that was like decades ago i know it's just such a crazy hard to wrap
4: your mind around his
3: alarm goes off playing i got you babe by Sonny and Cher. yeah
4: at a certain point when he's just breaking the radio, you kind of get it.
3: <laughs> I am a fan of the song
4: though. It's a good jam.
3: His brother is or not Phil's brother, but Bill's brother, Brian Doyle Murray is one of the DJs I think on the radio thing, but he's also like the guy oh, who yeah. pulls the groundhog out. That's right. Did you recognize the first guy that he passes in the hallway at the bed and breakfast, the one who's like you have to see the groundhog? Do you know who that actor is? I don't recall. He's the Santa from Home Alone. Oh, wow. The one who's got like the beard, and he like he gives Kevin the
4: tic-tacs. Isn't Newman briefly in this, too? Wayne Knight? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I thought there was a guy that looked like him in the N at some point. <laughs> Cut that out. When there was... <laughs> yeah, well, you don't need to
3: tell me. When Phil is walking to see the groundhog that first morning, one thing that caught my eye was all those storefronts in town. Like oh, I know. There's just all those different stores that sell different stuff. And just now, wherever this is, Woodstock, Illinois, I'm sure those things are long Many gone. are
4: closed, yeah.
3: Many? <laughs> I'm
4: thinking <laughs> all of them. I don't know. The tip top might still be closed. They probably gone.
3: just paved the entire town yeah. for a parking lot for whatever. <laughs> One
4: Taylor Swift concert?
3: <laughs> yeah. Whatever the uh, Bears football field is in Chicago, they were having a Taylor Swift concert. They needed the extra parking, <laughs> <laughs> so they paved Woodstock, yeah. Illinois. <laughs> I love when we do inside jokes and then we laugh as if they're funny. I don't know, (laughs) I do think that's (laughs) funny.
4: (laughs) I do think it's funny because it's just like how insignificant (laughs) everyone is except for Taylor Swift. (laughs) We're paving your town. Get out. It's like more profitable to have one night of parking for a Taylor Swift show than like a year's worth of these businesses.
3: (laughs) Crossing through town, he's approached by... Someone claiming to be a former classmate named Ned Ryerson. Yeah. One of our heroes from One Trashy Summer. Really? I think he appealed, yeah. Basic in Instinct. two straight movies yeah. and single white female. That's
4: true, yeah.
2: Phil? Hey, Phil? Phil? Phil Connors? Phil Connors, I thought that was you. Hi, how you doing? Thanks for watching. Hey, hey. Now, don't you tell me you don't remember me because I sure as heck fire remember you.
1: Not a chance.
2: (laughs) Ned! Ryerson! needle nose Ned, Ned the head. Come on, buddy. Case Western High. Ned Ryerson, I did the whistling belly button trick at the high school talent show. Bing! Ned Ryerson got the shingles real bad senior year, almost didn't graduate. Bing again. Ned Ryerson, I dated your sister Mary Pat a couple times till you told me not to anymore. Well?
1: Ned Ryerson? (laughs) Bing. <laughs> so did you turn pro with that belly button thing, Ned, or No, I... Phil, I sell insurance. What a shock. Do you have life insurance?
2: Because if you do, you could always use a little more. Am I right, or am I right, or am I right? Right, right, right.
1: Ned, I would love to stand here and talk with you. But I'm not going to. <laughs>
2: see? Hey, that's all right. I'll walk with you. You know, whenever I see an opportunity now, I charge it like a bull. Ned the bull, that's me now. You know, I got friends of mine who live and die by the actuarial tables, and I say, hey. It's all one big crapshoot anywho. Tell me, have you ever heard of single premium life? Because I think that really could be the ticket for you. Oh, God! It is so good to see you. Uh, What are you doing for dinner?
1: Uh, Something else. It's been great seeing you, Needlehead. Take care. (laughs) Watch out
2: for that first step. It's a doozy.
3: <laughs> this whole scene is very funny. Their, their interactions are always great. I think Bill Murray improvised the one later on where he hugs him and he goes, I, I don't know where you're headed right now, but can you call in sick? <laughs> 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 just like It's one of the best lines of the whole movie. Yeah. He just ca- improvised it. But... This first time when Ned is trying to get Phil to remember him and he's like listing off all of those ridiculous things.
4: Everything and he sells insurance for? No, no. Oh, like, no.
3: The Like, I did the belly button muscle oh, right. thing yeah. at the talent show. I got shingles real bad, almost didn't graduate. It's like <laughs> one absurd thing after the other. And he's like, I dated your sister, Mary Pat, a couple of
4: times, so you told me not to. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the what fun- a conversation. That's yeah still not ringing a bell
2: (laughs) i can't imagine
3: (laughs) i don't want you dating my sister
4: yeah that's an uncomfortable spot to be in you know what else is uncomfortable the place where they pull the groundhog out it's called gobbler's knob that is strange that that jumped out to me as well (laughs) speaking
3: of phil's sister just great lines rita's very caught up in the celebrations and really digging the yeah. the local town folk and she's, she's enjoying it, it too to much. Phil, yeah. Phil's just like, yeah, they're hicks, Rita. Right.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean it sucks. Like you you don't wanna be like a Bill Murray character in this movie, but you do kind of get it. Oh, for sure. I mean it's just like enough, Rita. I, I really didn't want to be dragged up here. Maybe there's certain things about the town that I could get into Because it's fake. Right. <laughs> It's just—it's yeah. nothing. It's like this literally. This is stupid. We're wasting our time. This isn't yeah. fun. It's just some made-up dumb tradition.
3: Yeah. Who cares? Rita would like to stay in Punxsutawney to cover other groundhog-related events, but Phil wants to return to Pittsburgh as soon as possible.
4: So they do the Again, report. Let's just get home. Breezes through it. One of the funny things, though, is that, <laughs> that like they're going home expecting fine weather under his weather report.
3: Yeah, however, on their way out of town, the blizzard that Phil had predicted would miss them blankets the entire region in snow and strands them in town. And that's a pretty funny moment as well when the police officer's like, Well, you have two choices. You can either go back to Puxatani or you could stay out here and freeze to death. And he just like pauses for a while and he's like, I'm thinking. Phil, when they get back, just decides to shun all of the festivities and goes to bed early. And that concludes day one. And to this point, nothing is amiss. It's completely normal. Why would anything be out of the ordinary until the next morning?
4: No even indication that something's going to happen. There's no weird mysticism around it.
3: No. And that's kind of the genius of the movie. It launches right into the time loop. The next morning, I got you, babe. Starts the same DJ banter like the terrible Punxsutawney morning show. Can you imagine <laughs> how bleak? Like is that that is? worse
4: than this podcast.
3: Do you think there's any way right now if we drove to Punxsutawney that they would even have local DJs? I doubt it. No, I bet it's, it's yeah. like they're they like are local in, DJs in Pittsburgh anymore. They're pulling
4: it's in the Bubba show.
3: <laughs> no, I was thinking it's just songs. Yeah, it's probably just automated. It's probably just
4: like three country western stations. That's it.
3: Yeah, there's no channel that's even playing I Got You, Babe. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Probably because of this movie, they probably play I Got You, Babe, like, every morning. <laughs> <laughs> and they have been since nineteen eighty-three. People just, like, breaking <laughs> their
4: radios every morning.
3: <laughs> At first, he thinks they're just playing yesterday's tape, but then over time, there's this slow realization that something's wrong. He looks out the window. Everyone's headed back to Gobbler's Knob again. It looks exactly like it looked yesterday, and the snow that had fallen... The previous night is not there.
4: Morning!
1: Up uh, to see the groundhog? Yeah. I think it'll be in early spring. <laughs> Didn't we do this yesterday? I don't know what you mean. <laughs> don't mess with me, pork chop. <sighs> what day is this? It's February 2nd. Groundhog Day. Yeah. Sorry. You know, I thought it was yesterday. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> Did you sleep well, Mr. Connors?
1: Did I sleep well?
2: Would you like some coffee?
1: Yes, please. I think I'll have a double.
2: I hope you enjoy the festivities. There's talk of a blizzard.
1: Do you ever have deja vu, Mrs. Lancaster?
2: I don't think so, but I could check with the kitchen.
1: No, that's okay. Thank you.
2: Will you be checking out today, Mr. Connors?
1: I'd say the chance of departure is 80%. 75, 80. me excuse me where's everybody going to gobbler's knob it's groundhog day it's still just once a year isn't it
3: and so he's completely confused he goes out of his room he passes that guy again the same guy who was the santa claus in home alone oh yeah he goes downstairs and everyone's repeating everything that happened before and no one else is aware of what's happening slowly over the course of this first day, there's this escalation of, like, what the fuck is happening. And I don't know how you would actually react to something like this. Yeah. I think there's a certain percentage of people who would start to go insane maybe Immediately, the first day. Right? I, yeah. how would you ever process this?
4: I don't know. I, I don't think that I could. I guess, like, there's a certain level of he's so detached that, like, I think that makes it better. Like, I feel like you can accept it more because you're just so... Not in sync with society. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. Because I feel like there's a lot of days for me that it, I I would just be like, well, this is something is amiss here. But like, it's just deja vu. I don't care. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's fine. I'm just going to go with it. I
3: don't know. I mean, I feel like I'd start to get a little angry or something. Yeah. Like, what is happening? Why are (laughs) are people just saying the same things?
4: Yeah. It just depends for me, I guess. If it was like a work day, I mean, if I had to relive the same work day. (laughs) <laughs> can you imagine but it's well, like, once you realize you were stuck in a time oh yeah you would you never would go back go. right you'd be like kennywood's open <laughs> nowadays because
3: of cell phones and stuff and you're like looking at your cell phone you're like it says the same date as yesterday and you're turning on tv and connecting to the internet i just think like yeah. in a more connected society like that because of being online and living online and stuff i just i don't know how you'd be able to process think these. about like how many movies you could watch though Oh, yeah. I do think in one of the initial versions of the script, he was, like, marking time by reading one page of a book every day, and then, like, at a certain point, there's just, like, hundreds and hundreds of books. Yeah,
4: that would drive you to insanity, I feel like. Yeah. I don't know. It does just seem like a hellish existence.
3: So pretty early on, when he's trying to express this situation with Rita, he starts going to this diner, and there's a lot of scenes in the diner. We we see Doris, the waitress. I think is her name. Yeah. A lot of the people in there. He
4: really gets to know uh, the townsfolk.
3: Yeah. Well, one thing that happens is someone drops a tray of dishes. Yeah. And a couple of like the local towny guys like clap when that happens. <laughs> yeah. We know. Someone who once clapped. Oh at a boy! Yeah, it did not go well.
4: It was met with death stares. Really? It, well, it was yelled at, and yeah. it was really embarrassing. Don't fucking do that.
3: <laughs> and I don't think this person that we know ever recovered. I wouldn't, though. To be fair. <laughs> oh, I know you would. not Yeah.
4: <laughs> it was yeah, traumatic. It was even seeing it happen was. Well, traumatic. Uh, didn't you
3: know though? As soon as he started clapping, like that was not going to be a good idea. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No one else did it. <laughs> No one else was fucking doing it, I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Phil goes to see a doctor who is actually played by Harold Ramis. They take like a CAT scan. Nothing looks wrong. He goes to see the psychiatrist. (laughs) Here's another guy. Do you recognize the psychiatrist at all? The one who's like... How about tomorrow? Yeah. And then he puts the pillow over his face. Do you know who that guy is? Uh, I recognized him. He's Selena's ex-husband from Veep. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I know. That's real weird. It is. Pretty early in the movie, he hangs out with the two townies at the bowling alley yeah. and gets drunk. That scene is really funny.
4: Although, he is he getting drunk or is he just hanging out with them while they get drunk?
3: I don't know. Yeah. But there's some wild driving and some reckless behavior. Absolutely,
4: yeah. So he is kind of going off the rails, like on pretty quickly. One of the yeah. first nights. Well, I think the first thing you would try to do is stay up all night. Yeah.
3: Right. The townies don't really know what's going on, and then this is the first time he shakes up his routine a lot because he ends up in jail at the end of this night. Yeah. And then the next morning he wakes up. In I bed do and love,
4: uh, and you brought it up while we we're. <laughs> at lunch yesterday but the the part where uh the one towny dude is like so you're just living the same day over and over and nothing means anything (laughs) he's like yeah sounds about
3: right yeah that dude not rick dukeman but the other guy who like barely talks the one who wants flapjacks he's just like that about sums it up for me (laughs) really yeah (laughs) for all of us i've never related to anything harder (laughs) than that guy saying that
1: (laughs) i was in the virgin islands once i met a girl We ate lobster, drank pina coladas. At sunset, we made love like sea otters. That was a pretty good day. Why couldn't I get that day over and over? You know, some guys would look at this glass and they would say, you know, that glass is half empty. Other guys would say, that glass is half full. I think you as a glass is half empty kind of guy, am I right? What would you do if you were stuck in one place and every day was exactly the
3: same and nothing that you did mattered? That sums it up for me. Realizing there are no consequences for his actions, Phil spends the first several loops indulging in binge eating and drinking one night stands, which involves manipulating poor Nancy by getting information from her, robbery, reckless driving, basically just living out the fantasy of doing whatever you want. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter what happens. You can just do whatever.
4: And does it bring you any fulfillment, though? No,
3: what's the point of stealing all that money exactly if you're yeah. not going to have it the next day? Yeah, I mean, I guess you... He is Might able to manipulate memories. Nancy to the point where he has sex with her. So I guess that happens, and you can't really take that back. But well, that's true. Doesn't happen for her, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of a moral gray area. <laughs> really,
4: yeah. This is something I, I don't think would play well now. That, oh no, yeah. The particular. manipulation
3: and and even the fact that he ends up successfully with Rita at the end of the movie. Well, yeah.
4: He has spent so much time sort of he already getting went through all the of phase of manipulating yeah. her.
3: Now, granted. They do make it a point to like those situations were failures, were failures. He doesn't sleep with her in any of those attempts. And also he restarts, meaning like none of that was successful. And then when he finally does break the time loop, he's not doing any of that bullshit anymore. Like ordering the same drink as her and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: But still. Sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You can't go back after having already done it. Like that would just bother audiences too much i think it really is he has to get worse before he gets better he's really diving down to the bottom of the barrel and really being the worst version of himself before he can start to crawl out of the shit oh yeah and turn everything around so when he's like making out with nancy he is calling her rita's name and that's the first time that there's an indication that he's actually interested in rita and this will slowly evolve into a romantic comedy. It's a funny movie, yeah. but the heart of it is like him trying to get with Rita in addition to get out of the time loop, but there's a lot of time spent on these repeating dates where he keeps getting slapped in the face for fucking up and all Yeah, that
4: it's not a really good look for Nancy because I mean, he essentially keeps calling her Rita. <laughs> she just goes with I it. know, that's and another, they it. It do doesn't this whole play thing. well oh. too
3: because she's so easily manipulated. I know and they
4: do the whole thing where it's he's, he's like, like I wanna marry you and that's like, you know, (laughs) know, the answer to all her dreams. It's just like, oh
3: man. I know. How dark was Nancy's life. Yeah. And then later when he's with that other chick at the movies, it just sets up the joke where he says hi Nancy when she passes and he's like dressed up like Clint Eastwood from the good, the bad and the ugly or something. (laughs) And then he's like, My own fiance doesn't recognize me. (laughs) (laughs) So stupid. After getting out the initial bad behavior, he starts a series of endless attempts to court Rita, where he matches her drink order. He tries to memorize all of her favorite things. So, what are the chances of getting out today?
0: The van still won't start. Larry's working on it.
3: Wouldn't you know it.
1: Can I buy you a drink? Okay. Jim Beam, ice, water. For you, miss...
0: Sweet vermouth and the rocks with a twist, please.
1: What are the chances of getting out of town today?
0: The van still won't start. Larry's working on it.
1: Oh, wouldn't you know it. Can I buy you a drink? Okay. Uh, Sweet vermouth, rocks with a twist, please. For you, miss?
0: The same. That's my favorite drink.
1: Mine too. It always makes me think of Rome. The way the sun hits the buildings in the afternoon.
0: Huh. Well, what should we drink to?
1: To the groundhog.
0: I always drink to world peace.
1: Can I buy you a drink? Okay. Uh... Sweet vermouth, rocks with a twist, please. For you, myth?
0: The same. That's my favorite drink.
1: Mine too. Mm. It always makes me think of Rome. The way the sun hits the buildings in the afternoon.
0: Well, what should we drink to?
1: I like to say a prayer and drink to world peace.
0: To world peace.
3: World peace. I don't know if I ever really would think that would work. I mean, maybe speaking French and knowing about French poetry or something would be kind of attractive to someone who is into that. But yeah, ordering the same drink, is that really going to get a woman's attention? Especially
4: that drink is so kind of specific and weird. Yeah, I, I would think that's odd if I was Rita. Yeah, I it would, would be, be suspicious yeah. immediately. At some point during one of these dates, she's like, have you been like calling my friends? Well, because and that's one of the things that he I repeats would think,
3: information yeah. that didn't come up in that particular loop. I right. think is the problem because she says that she doesn't like fudge. But in a previous loop, she said she didn't like white chocolate. So then he out loud goes, OK, no white chocolate, no fudge. And she's like, wait, what? I know. And she's like, where would you got? What are
4: you making from? notes?
3: <laughs> <laughs> you been calling my friends who is he me
4: (laughs) yeah seriously i know i well you know i think there was like probably a a younger version of me at one point that just thought that like yeah the key to any woman's heart was just having everything in common with them when really that would just be like so annoying and it's like and it's so obvious that that's not the answer so how many days total do you think
3: phil is stuck in this time loop if you had to guess it seems like years oh yeah for sure I don't know. When I was a kid, I think I used to. We at least see hundreds, right? Seemingly. I think when I was a kid, I I used to think that there was a way that you could actually count it in the movie, which of course. Well, there's at a certain point.
4: I mean, there's ones when you see like a montage of slaps, that's like, I don't know, 10 days. Right. And all you're seeing is slaps. Initially, I think. I guess we probably maybe only see like closer to 50 or something in the movie, but.
3: Yeah, initially, Harold Ramos said 10 years, but. The guy who wrote it originally was like 10,000 years. Oh, what? Yeah, but, you would definitely be
4: insane. It's like Limbo from fucking Inception yeah, at the, that point.
3: There are various websites and various articles and stuff have, have tried to calculate it based on the days that you actually see in it, the days that he references that you don't see, plus how long it would take to become expert well, level at ice sculpting and playing piano, piano and learning yeah. languages and all this shit. And the most common guess now is around somewhere in the neighborhood of 12,400 days which Man. is about 33 years and close to 34 years wow and then ramus later on did say that 10 years was probably way too low and it was between like 30 and 40 years of one day good lord yeah I don't know. I mean, if, if you got to have that many cracks at it, though, with Andy McDowell, I think, like, even me, I think eventually I would You'd somehow right. crack the combination. <laughs> <laughs> like, how how can I make this work? Yeah. <laughs> think about anything you've ever wanted that you fucked up immediately. It's like, well... <laughs> I, I,
4: think both, I can think of many things. I'd love to
3: have almost 13,000 chances to get it right. Well, At
4: what point <laughs> would you start, like, working it into your day, like... You need to, like, get out of Punxsutawney. Like, where is Ana de Armas on this day? How am I going to make
3: it? In 1993, she probably <laughs>
4: was four years old or something. Well, <laughs> I wasn't exactly going in the context of this it's movie. It's not fair.
3: I'd love to have over 12,000 chances to get it right with the things that... It's uh, not why fair. Why does he get this? It's a <laughs> like blessing. I you pining for it. It's <laughs> a blessing that he gets this. <laughs> I'd love to have some do-overs. Yeah, I could use a few. After he fucks up with Rita a bunch of times and he just gets real sad because he's just like, I'm fucking stuck. I can't get anything I want out of this. It starts a suicide and extreme bitterness run of the movie, which is like the dark part of this otherwise kind of charming comedy. it's
4: kind of shocking. Actually, this is in the movie. (laughs) He just (laughs) starts killing himself. himself.
3: (laughs) The first one, though, is the best because it's so funny. He starts with kidnapping the groundhog, Phil. Rita and Larry are like over by the side watching him do this, where he hops in that truck with Phil in it and drives yeah. away. And Rita's like, Why would anyone want to steal a groundhog? And Larry's like, I can think of a few reasons. Pervert.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like it, it would be like, hard to act a little bit if you're Annie McDowell because you do have to consistently be from the perspective of. You just have a normal ride up with the Bill Murray character. Yeah,
3: that's something that I think the viewer kind of lets their guard down and kind of accepts things more at the end that don't quite make sense. Yeah. Like the piano teacher. Like when he gets really good at piano after all of that time, yeah, even yeah. on the day, like the last day, the day when he's like playing that concert, and it is very reminiscent oh, of, it's a the rocker, end, yeah. of the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. But up to that very last day... He was going to that teacher and taking more piano lessons because she's referring to him as her student. Are you following me? I am, yeah. Why would she think he's her student if he's that good at piano? I know, yeah. What would she have taught him on that last day? <laughs> for, like, That's an right? hour at her she house. he would yeah. remember all the right. other times, obviously. It's just shit like that at the end of the movie where well, you like, just with it. Well, and,
4: like, is there enough time in this day for him to, like, make these connections with everyone in the way that he's, like, basically like well, he's the got a mayor of the town? Yeah. Okay, he's, right. He's just,
3: think about it. You'd have yeah. 40 years of the same day to come up with this schedule. Exactly, and just, yeah. And it becomes second nature. But he drives away with the groundhog. I guess in real life, the groundhog bit bill murray a couple of times to the point where he had to get like rabies shots oh wow (laughs) i think on the interview i was watching with harold Ramis, it was a matter of just the groundhog not being thrilled with how long they were doing i imagine yeah take after take that would be like if i was acting in the movie people yeah (laughs) yeah you you (laughs) you're biting biting people (laughs) so this high high speed chase happens where like they're chasing after phil and then the cops are there and in the rear of the chase are rita and larry in the news van and then when he gets cornered like in some sort of a i don't know i don't know what that is some sort of area with piles of stones okay yeah i'm just gonna call it like a mining area that I works
4: for me when we're talking about like manual labor he just, just dr- not drives the truck my radar like
3: off the side of a cliff yeah which is hilarious and to this point he hasn't done the suicide stuff yet and it falls so far I mean, it's so high up, and it lands upside down.
4: Phil. He might be okay. Well, no, probably not now. Rita's like,
3: oh my god, Phil. (laughs) And Larry's like well, he might be okay. And then the truck blows up and he goes, okay, well, probably not now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the best lines in the movie. And it's an Elliot line. I love it. But the suicide attempts don't work. And so he tries a different approach to get out of this, which is what I would refer to as an honesty run, where he just comes right out and starts telling Rita
4: about right.
3: what's happening and convincing her that it's true.
4: Yeah. See, that would be... A frustrating endeavor as well because you, you have to spend so much time getting her convinced and then you just lose that. Oh, yeah. Well, it, you also have to factor it since he remembers
3: everything and his feelings are evolving over time. He's essentially falling more and more in love with her and developing stronger and stronger feelings. And he's trying to convince her by accurately predicting events like when they're in the diner and he's telling her about every single person in the diner. And then he's telling her like what's going to happen like the tray is going to drop in five seconds.
0: I'm sorry? What was that again?
3: I'm a god.
0: You're a god.
1: I'm a god. I'm not the god. I don't think.
0: Because you survived a car wreck? You folks ready to order?
1: I didn't just survive a wreck. I wasn't just blown up yesterday. I have been stabbed, shot, poisoned, frozen, hung, electrocuted, and burned. Oh, really? And every morning I wake up without a scratch on me, not a dent in the fender. I am an immortal.
0: Special today is blueberry waffles. Why are you telling me this?
1: Because I want you to believe in me.
0: You're not a god. You can take my word for it. This is 12 years of Catholic school talking. I could come back if you're not ready.
1: How do you know I'm not a god?
0: (laughs) Oh, please. How do you know? Because it's not possible. I'll come
1: back. Doris. This is Doris. Her brother-in-law, Carl, owns this diner. She's worked here since she was 17. More than anything else in her life, she wants to see Paris before she dies.
0: Oh, boy, what What are you doing?
1: This is Debbie Kleiser and her fiance, Fred. Do I know you? They're supposed to be getting married this afternoon, but Debbie is having second thoughts. What?
0: Lovely ring.
1: This is Bill. He's been a waiter for three years since he left Penn State and had to get work. He likes the town, he paints toy soldiers, and he's gay. I am. This is Gus. He hates his life here. He wishes he stayed in the Navy. Well, I could have retired on half pay after 20 years. Excuse me, this is some kind of trick. Well, maybe the real God uses tricks. You know, maybe he's not omnipotent. He's just been around so long. He knows everything.
0: Oh, okay. Well, who's that?
1: This is Tom. He worked in the coal mine until they closed the town. And her? It's Alice. Came over here from Ireland when she was a baby. She lived in Erie most of her life.
0: He's right. And
1: her? Nancy, she works in the dress shop and makes noises like a chipmunk when she gets real excited.
0: Hey. It's true how do you know these people
1: i told you i know everything in about five seconds a waiter's gonna drop a tray of dishes five four three two one okay
0: okay that's enough what about me phil do you know me too
1: i know all about you you like producing but you hope for more than channel nine pittsburgh
0: well everyone knows that
1: you like boats but not the ocean You go to a lake in the summer with your family up in the mountains. There's a long wooden dock and a boathouse with boards missing from the roof, and a place you used to crawl underneath to be alone. You're a sucker for French poetry and rhinestones. You're very generous. You're kind to strangers and children. And when you stand in the snow, you look like an angel.
0: How are you doing this?
1: I told you, I wake up every day right here, right in Punxsutawney, and it's always February 2nd. And there's nothing I can do about it. If you still can't believe me, listen, in in 10 seconds, Larry is going to come through that door and take you away from me. But you can't let him. Larry. Please believe me. You've got to believe me.
4: You guys ready? We better get going if we're gonna stay ahead of the weather. What's that?
0: We're gonna stay ahead of the weather.
3: It builds to the part where Larry comes in. He's like, We better get going if we're gonna stay ahead of the weather. And he, like, Phil's already written that out and, like, <laughs> yeah. hands it to her. And it's it's really well done. And he does usually manage to convince her that, at the very least, Something strange and unexplainable is happening. I, I but it is like I don't know if it would be possible for someone to believe it. Well, when and not it, it is
4: like if you're in Rita's shoes and he's done enough to show you. Well, it's like okay, what am I supposed to do about this? Yeah, <laughs> I might as well just ride it out the rest of the day and fall asleep and forget about this and start your day over again tomorrow because I, I don't know how I'm going to get you out of this. But she's a good
3: person though, well, that's so true. she does sympathize and they yeah, spend the that's entirety enough. of. One loop together. And it seems to go well, and it does seem like a breakthrough, but Phil yet again wakes up alone, as usual, at 6 a.m. on February 2nd to I Got You Babe playing.
4: Yeah. Hard not to be disappointed. Did you notice
3: the young, engaged couple, Debbie and Fred, at the diner, who will meet again towards the end of the movie? I
4: did notice them, yes.
3: Michael Shannon.
4: Oh, okay. No, I didn't realize that's who that was.
3: Yeah, he's. Fred and Debbie is none other than Hinden Welch.
4: Okay, who Princess we know from. Bubblegum, oh herself. wow! How about that?
3: Phil decides to use his knowledge of the day's events to better himself and the lives of others. He learns how to play piano, sculpt ice, speak I Italian do like and French. I think ice sculpting At
4: least is a hobby to land on. I just feel like yeah, I don't that know. would not cross my a mind. Really interesting thing <laughs> to show. <laughs> really, in the and movie. it does seem hard to do. He saves
3: various people from all kinds of incidents all over town. Yeah. Including-
4: Noting that that
3: kid never thanks him for it. Yeah, including the kid falling out of a treehouse that is
4: inexplicably- By in the a, side of the road?
3: Yeah, it's like, I don't really know what was happening there. Maybe it wasn't a treehouse. I thought he was
4: just climbing the tree. Yeah, that's possible. Okay. Now that
3: you've said that, that's
4: probably what it was. I don't recall any sort of structure in the tree. not sure what I was thinking.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Although, why climb that tree, though? I don't know. It does seem all extra honesty. dangerous. And Buster is choking, and he gives him the Heimlich, and he replaces a tire for some old ladies, and basically he becomes a hero in Punxsutawney all in the course of a day, to the point where it builds up to this big thing at the end of the movie. But first, the movie, again, wants to take you on a little dark twist to okay. make sure you're emotionally vulnerable, where... Phil comes across this homeless man every day and at some point during these countless time loops he learns that the homeless man passes away on February 2nd and Phil has a real hard time
4: really yeah
3: dealing with this because he's unable to save him regardless of his actions and just this I want to see his chart <laughs> that he dies <laughs> yeah. every day because Phil's stuck in this time
4: loop Yeah that is sad it's real
3: fucking sad that this guy's homeless. He's so old looking. Well,
4: especially in a town like Punxsutawney, I know. It Doesn't seem like a great place for a homeless person to be. It doesn't seem like it's a place cold. where they
3: would, this, yeah, not help this guy. Exactly. There's yeah. only one homeless guy. I think people and, would reach out.
4: Right. They can't put him up at the YMCA or something.
3: Ugh. But the film has and maintains an edge throughout it. It's ne- it never cheapens out to be like a mushy rom
4: com. It's well, it's, maybe in the last one well, a little I mean, bit. It's a happy ending. Yeah, but. All right. All right. There's some darkness there. I'm with you.
3: Even when it builds up to the final time loop, remembering Rita's lack of advancement is always kind of a hard hurdle to clear, I think, for me as a viewer. I agree. Because it's so impossible to get in that mindset watching a movie where one character has advanced seemingly tens of thousands of days and the other person hasn't.
4: Really, like, the last we know from Rita's perspective Phil is just kind of an asshole
3: yeah and then all of a sudden she's spending $339.88 at I know. a bachelor yeah. auction it's, it's a bit much but I think because the characters are so likable and the movie is interesting and it's an it's ingenious premise and the charisma of the two leads and everything I think you're just kind of willing to go with it you know
1: Yeah. when Chekhov saw the long winter he saw a winter bleak and dark and bereft of hope. Yet we know that winter is just another step in the cycle of life. But standing here among the people of Punxsutawney and basking in the warmth of their hearths and hearts, I couldn't imagine a better fate than a long and lustrous winter. From Punxsutawney, it's Phil Connors. So long. Nice speech, Phil.
2: Thank you
1: how was that for you too man you touched me thanks thank you
3: the final time loop starts with an enthusiastic emotional reporting of the groundhog day festivities which impresses rita but also gets like a standing ovation from everyone like all of a sudden the entire town is watching him deliver his report into the camera (laughs) right yeah (laughs) which is very funny at the groundhog festival banquet larry putting in some time with nancy i love it yeah i like when they go into the main room and he puts his arm around her and she's like taking Uh, oh yeah (laughs) larry putting down a few bills for a tip and then when nancy turns around he picks up
4: like (laughs) two of them (laughs) well it's a hard life you know do you want to see the inside of the van (laughs) oh no yeah that would be a tough sell even for a girl like nancy who's clearly got issues right
3: (laughs) Phil's playing piano at the Groundhog Festival banquet. It is very reminiscent of Back to the Future and the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. As I mentioned, the yeah. piano teacher thing doesn't really make sense to me.
4: Chris Elliott, does he make a comment about where Phil is? And Nancy's like, oh, he's already over there. Yeah, at the party. Yeah.
3: So, yeah, the whole town well, s- that's what I mean. knows yeah. him basically because of Within his a day, of good deeds. Yeah. It's a seemingly overnight transformation. And Rita's kind of blown away prior to the bachelor auction and everyone knows him and everyone's got this little anecdote and she's just like how often do you come up here like what the fuck is going on really yeah on the van ride up you are acting like you hated this "This place hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) now you're like the king of Punxsutawney part of it is he gives Wrestlemania tickets to Debbie and Fred
4: wow yeah
3: and I was like Wrestlemania in pittsburgh in 93 if only (laughs) (laughs) if only that's you would have been there that's for sure (laughs) the charity bachelor auction does come out of nowhere but it provides some comedic relief when after phil goes up there larry jumps up on stage all
4: well confident
3: and he only gets sold for 25 do you
4: feel like she's overbidding for phil a little bit 339 dollars well that's the point of the I, scene. inflation, I mean, what is that today? <laughs>
3: the point of the scene twelve hundred Nancy and then Doris from the diner are like bidding against each other and they're it. all yeah. the way down to like seventy five dollars or something. And then yeah, I know. She just drops Rita the hammer
4: in. and it's
3: all over. Yeah, it, it of course it doesn't make sense as what we were just talking about the lack of Rita's advancement, but as a set piece scene of just like sure. The big moment. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be jarring and funny. All right. Somehow, this particular night, everything works, and he carves her face in ice, and which
4: that to me, I, I don't know. It
3: didn't really look like her. And well, if though, I'm, I guess it kind of did. I don't. Know.
4: I feel like this would. <laughs> <laughs> it would be weird. Yeah. If I'm Especially Rita, when he says, I know. If, if I'm Rita, I'd, and I'm like, all right, I, I'm kind of seeing Phil in a new light. Like I, we I, just I'm met getting-
3: yesterday. He knows my face from memory basically what he just said (laughs) and he's
4: sculpting it into a block of ice yeah not even like painting a portrait (laughs) i I don't know i think that would be enough for me to be like you know what good night (laughs) but i guess it's legitimate love this time because
3: then the next morning i got you babe is playing on the radio but if you notice it's at a different place that's true
4: yeah and some different commentary comes over yeah
3: one dj hates it the other likes it and of course rita's there And he pinches her arm and she's still there. I think if I was... How
4: do you go back to living like a normal life now?
3: I mean, I don't know. That's the one part of this ending that jumps out to me is I do feel like Phil is underselling it. Uh, I think you'd have a complete emotional breakdown right here where you'd be weeping.
4: Uh, Yeah, absolutely.
3: I don't know. You'd really be losing your mind.
4: And then just going back to like living normal days, how long does that take you to adjust? I know. Yeah.
3: And are you physically the same as you were? I don't think so. You think physically, there's a, he's he's thirty or forty years older. How uh, would he be aged? How funny would that be? Yeah. Everyone, like everyone's, like Jesus Christ. Well, I what think happened he
4: looks physically the same, but this had to have taken a toll physically. Uh, I don't know. I guess not. I guess it doesn't. So
3: he just basically gets an extra thirty plus years of life. Yeah, he to live I, it all in the same day. Right. Okay.
4: I think so. I mean, we're we're breaking down the logistics. We would see a noticeable change to him physically, would we not?
3: Yeah, that's what I said. I mean, it would be funny if he aged the whole time. And so everyone else is like going to bed on February 1st and then waking up on February 2nd, and all of a sudden, Phil is 80 years
4: old. But there is something that feels like, aside from the mental piece of it, I don't know. Is your body just, like, any more tired from living all these days? I I don't know.
3: I don't know, because it seems like at the beginning they were implying that the drinking and stuff and eating all the food, it was having Was doing nothing to him. yes. So that's part of the consequence-free existence of being stuck in that time loop. But yeah, it's a fun movie. I thought it would be fun to do for Groundhog Day. It's definitely
4: a classic. You know, I love anything Bill Murray, and just him being a a cynical asshole just so good at it i I don't know if there's anybody better at these parts than him
3: yeah there's definitely a sad relatability i was gonna say a sad lining to the movie where you if you you know about the backstory with him and harold Ramis and sort of this fracturing their relationship but they somehow came together on this movie to create something that's lasted for so long and and really worked its way into the hearts of so many people. It's it's really like a beloved classic now. And frankly, it holds up better than a lot of his other movies. Yeah. A lot of his ones from the 80s just aren't as funny as they were then. That's true, yeah. No, I mean, obviously his he became a different kind of actor later in his career, and the Wes Anderson stuff and the which is Lost very in good translation right. and Jim Jar match stuff. It's it's like a different thing and those movies are all excellent and and remain excellent. But, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that those movies aren't funny, but like,
4: yeah, I mean, I would say he's still very funny in like the Wes Anderson movies. I uh, know, I mean the pre Groundhog Day stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, I right. Saying. I okay, mean it yeah. just
3: they don't hold up as well as you think, I think some of them.
4: Okay, probably not.
3: But I kind of feel that way about a lot of 70s and 80s comedies that are considered like classics. It's like, well, I don't know, watch them today. Humor just changes so much, I think. So you're feeling
4: like it's unlikely that we'll have a show trip to Punxsutawney and see what happens?
3: After we go to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, for the Mothman festival. (laughs) Yeah, learning that this wasn't actually filmed in Punxsutawney was a huge letdown for me. Huge bummer, huh? Yeah, it stinks. But this movie, of course, has a a fun pittsburgh connection and i'm not letting go of that
4: no i don't think you should
0: what are you doing what
4: what vincent stopped making picks.
0: well how am i gonna know what movies to see
3: we have a wide variety of gene Jean pics
0: gene's trash
2: i'm gene
3: so let's do recommendations i just have one quick one I'll go ahead and recommend another Bill Murray movie that is available to stream on Netflix right now, and that movie is Kingpin. Oh, yeah. A hilarious movie from the Farrelly brothers. That's right. <laughs> Oscar award-winning yeah. Peter Fairley. although he did not win for Best Director, but his film Green Book did win last year. <laughs> and he also co-directed with his brother Kingpin, starring Woody Harrelson and Bill Murray and... Randy Quaid. Yes. Poor Randy Quaid. Oh, boy, yeah. Life really took a wild turn for him. <laughs> but that movie was originally supposed to be like Keaton, uh huh, Chris Farley, and Jim Carrey. That was like the initial cast. And then by the time it got made, it ended up with a completely different cast. And yeah, everyone loves Bill Murray, but that was definitely considered like a step-down type cast at that point. Okay. And yet, I think everyone's perfect in the movie. I it's agree. It's hard to imagine the other people. Yeah, great Bill classic super movie. Super funny and kingpin and basically wrote all of his own lines.
4: Love a uh, classic movie recommendation. All right, your turn. You're up. Currently airing right now, HBO series at the time of this posting. Not sure how far along it is, but three episodes of have aired at the time of recording. I've watched all three. I am way in on it. The Outsider, based on a Stephen King book, I believe. Yeah, at like a one. fairly recent. Jason Bateman is in it, directs some episodes. Uh huh. Ben Mendelsohn, of course, always good in anything he does. Dark seems to have some supernatural elements to it. It starts right off with uh, a murder of a young boy, which always which time, always gets your dick over. Absolutely. Hey, anything that starts with a murder <laughs> like right away, I'm just like, all right. And there's a lot of mystery to it. There's... Already, like, there's some, play, you know, some doppelganger play. Oh. Yeah, so a lot of elements that always work well for me, and, and I'm into it. I mean, it's just, it, it's been a fun ride so far, and I'm excited to see where it goes the rest of the way.
3: All right, so those are your recommendations. As we talked about in the 2019 year-in-review, Give Us a Seconds, so we're going to do a post-Oscars reaction as part three of that series. So stay tuned for that, and we'll just keep on trucking with the eps. Yeah, totally. Uh, We're going to get back into the occasional Friday bonuses at some point, so there'll be just way too much content. Yeah. As usual.
4: I'll do a tease even. I'm actually quite excited about the next regular episode that we're doing. It's going to be a big uh, topic for me. I'm
3: excited for everything, but as usual, we are really, really going above the The demand. The supply is really (laughs) outweighing the demand. Really? Yeah. (laughs) But that's how we roll. Absolutely. All right. So thanks for listening.
1: They
0: say we're young and we don't know. Won't find out until we grow. Well, I don't know. Well, that's true. Because you got me. I got you, babe, I got you, babe They say our love won't pay the rent Before it's earned, our money's all been spent I guess that's so, we don't have a plot But at least I'm sure of all the things we got Babe I got you, babe. I got you, babe. I got flowers in the spring. I got you to wear my ring. Your little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain if we can fly. climb. Babe. I got you, babe. I got you, babe.
1: This is pitiful. A thousand people freezing their butts off waiting to worship a rat. What a hype! Round like they used to mean something in this town. They used to pull the hog out and they used to eat it. You're hypocrites, all of you. You got a problem with what I'm saying, Larry? Untie your tongue and you come out here and talk, huh? Am I upsetting you, princess? You know, you want a prediction about the weather. You're asking the wrong, Phil. I'll give you a, a winter prediction. It's gonna be cold, it's gonna be gray. And it's going to last you for the rest of your life.